6.03, welcome in. The opening kickoff is upon us for the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday. It might be a Wednesday. It kind of feels like a Monday with everything we got to get to, but that's okay because that's what we're here for. You can join the conversation, 694-1055. Of course, hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Good morning, Mr. Shervanian. Well, good morning to you, uh, Mark, and good morning to Michael, and good morning to our listeners. By now, most of you may know that the Arizona D-backs stunned a very improbable uh, victory over Philadelphia last night in Game 7. What's really remarkable about this, I think the Phillies first came into being in 1883. They had never, ever been in a Game 7 in a uh, – postseason no matter what never a game seven it was their first time ever with the uh, lively crowd that home field advantage the d-backs somehow quieted their bats they won yesterday four to two but there's a side like to this game which i wasn't aware of until this morning but it's kind of interesting because over the years and maybe some of you people can help us with this there have been let's say uh bets in a sense uh, by well-known celebrities that if this happened, that would happen. Uh, I go back to Paul Feinbaum when he said that if South Alabama beat Alabama, he would crawl to Mobile. I go back. I don't remember the game so much, but when Dick Vitale said he would stand on his head if a team beat another. So Chris Mad Dog Russo, uh, well-known to baseball fans, uh, with his interviews, with his serious radio show, he's been going at this for a long, long time, started out in New York, said on the air the other day that he would retire on the spot if Arizona beat Philadelphia in game six and seven. And that's what happened. And in the locker room afterwards, Mark. Oh, I thought he said he, I thought you said that's what happened. I was like, oh, what? He retired? No, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm saying Arizona beat Philadelphia. That's what happened. I don't think he's going to retire. But in the locker room after the win yesterday, Arizona players were screaming, "Mad dog, mad dog, mad dog." Now on CBS Radio this morning, it was toned down a little bit. They they say that uh, Mad Dog actually put a disclaimer and said, you know. That's not very personal if I retire on the spot. What I will do, and he went further on this, and I don't remember exactly how it was said that he would not attend one of his relatives' games or something like that, whether it was a, a nephew or, or some relative. He said he would, that would make it more personal, although I don't think anybody's really aware of that part of it. They're just wondering if he's going to retire from Sirius Radio for that. And, then, and I'm kind of wondering about some of the other outlandish uh, bets that some of our celebrities have made. I mentioned Paul. I mentioned Dick Vitale. Those are the two that came to my mind. You know, it's a lot like uh, when we get into politics, a lot of these, a lot of celebrities will be like, you know, if this guy wins, I'm leaving the country, right? They'll go on social media. That was There was a lot of that. I don't mean to get all political, but like when, when Trump won, remember, there were a lot of people like, ah, if he wins, I'm leaving. No one left. Well, we just had that one. Retiring. We just had one the other day, we, right here in the studio, uh, where uh, DJ over there on the zoo had to stand outside uh, with uh, Alabama song playing because Tennessee lost to Alabama. Uh, Matt McCoy and uh, the uh, host of the morning show they made a side bet, and a loser would have to stand on Hallett and Dolphin Street for an hour, and the yeah, fight so song. So Squeegee over here on ninety two one the zoo is. Is from the uh, tennis is from Tennessee. He's a, he's a Tennessee fan. 
Last year they had a bet. This year they had a bet. Loser had to stand out there on Dolphin and Dunk out there street with the fight song playing and the other team's gear. That's the only problem with that is you see a guy standing out on the corner with an Alabama gear with Alabama gear on and, and listening to Dixieland Delight or the, the, the fight song and it's just Tuesday. You see Matt McCoy out there and and, and you know, wearing orange and, and listening to Rocky Top, you're probably gonna stop and wonder what, what the hell's going on. So as it turns out you know, Squeegee was just one of the masses uh, yesterday, and he was a good sport about it. Or maybe it was two days ago. Uh, they all run together now. But yeah, I don't. I don't think these guys that make these ultimatums in the heat of the moment. I don't think they ever fall through. Bets, yes. The whole I'll retire, I'll move, uh, I'll move out of this country. That that stuff never happens. Going to be interesting to see what the the Mad Dog. I don't listen to his show. I'm. I'm well aware of it uh, as far as, you know, that he's been a, b a big voice on baseball. He's on the Major League Baseball Network and in interviews. And I don't know, maybe Dan Patrick will even get him on the show today because uh, he's had him on several times. But it was an interesting um, bet because he, he claimed – well, he didn't claim. He said, look, he said, I I'm shocked that Arizona's even in this playoff. Having beat Milwaukee and the Dodgers, they barely got into the playoffs. They only had 84 wins the whole year. Think about that. They had 20 wins less than the Atlanta Braves, and they're going to the World Series to face Texas. So what's more impressive, that or what Texas was able to do over the last two or three years, right? I think they had like 60 wins two years ago. I think it was like 80 last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And then this year, they're in the World Series. We often talk about how the NFL is built on parity, and one year you can be in the cellar. And the next year you can be in the penthouse. I mean, Texas, granted, it's not year to year, but over, what, two or three year span, just completely transformed that franchise. I'm going to say Arizona. And you can you can hold on to the question for Dan Jennings, and I'll tell you why. Arizona did it with a bunch of no-names. I mean, unless you're really an astute baseball fan, and you go down that lineup like, who the heck are these guys? Texas, over the years, has spent a lot of money bringing in veterans like Sager, Simeon, uh, went and got uh, Scherzer. I remember all the money they spent for Jacob DeGrom, even though that went south because he was hurt most of the year. They never even got him out there pitching much. So they were in a spending spree. Uh, to try and uh, win a pennant. They did win the pennant. They didn't have DeGrom to do it. But uh, Arizona's done it with rookies, unknowns, uh, cast-offs like Tommy Fram, people like that. So I would say to me, Arizona, to go this far, to beat Milwaukee and the Dodgers and to beat Philadelphia, especially in Philadelphia when you were down two games to none and come back and win the final two, that's very impressive. You guys can get in on that, of course. Uh, there's a lot going on. By the way, I know you got some other things to get to, but this Michigan story just landed square in our lap here in Alabama. I um, love it. Yeah, how great is that? Especially since we have a, uh, a writer from the Detroit Free Press coming on a little later on. All kinds of stuff going on. Now, the gist of this is that uh, Connor Stallions, who's at the center of this, and is now an unemployed, unemployed Michigan You've been a bad analyst. boy apparently had not only bought tickets for, for Big Ten games, but also for opponents outside the Big Ten, including Alabama, when they played in the championship game in 2021. And it wasn't like, and to clarify, it wasn't like he attended the games. He hired people. He got the tickets. He hired people to go 
and report, do whatever they could as far as sign stealing to give reports back to Michigan. It wasn't like he was traversing the United States going to game to game to game. So in addition to the Big Ten opponents, you had Alabama, Georgia, LSU, uh, Oregon, you know, teams like that in the playoffs as a possible opponent for Michigan. So he would he would purchase the tickets, and then somebody else would go and try to do the dirty work for him or to Michigan. Now, the other thing I, I heard, I, I noticed reported this morning, you know, while we await an NCAA investigation, you know, that could take five years from now. Who knows? I mean, I may not even be here by the time this uh, probe comes along, you know. But if he's found 10, guilty, Lee Cervanian's retiring. That's right. No, but here's the deal. The Big Ten, according to a report this morning, and this is what we want to ask Angelique about, they can go ahead and issue a punishment prior to an NCAA investigation. Yeah. Uh, And then there's this other – there is video that is out now. I don't know if you guys, Michael, I don't know if you guys saw this video of the Michigan-Ohio State game last year. C.J. Stroud running the Ohio State offense – they're near the goal line. It is clear as day old Connor Stallions is sitting next to the defense coordinator on the sideline. Ohio State goes to make an audible. They all look to Ohio State's sideline. Connor Stallions, you can see, is looking across the field. And after that signal is brought in, he starts pointing to the sky along with a bunch of the teammates to indicate it's a pass. Now, it's important to understand that that in and of itself is not against the rules, right? We talked about you can steal signs across the field, but it's part of the bigger picture, which is the guy saw a sign, knew exactly what they were doing, and it 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 adds a little context to the fact that perhaps he was recording ahead of time. Now, it's very clear that he's looking over there. He's not even looking at the field. He's watching the sidelines the whole time. And of course, CJ CJ Stroud went to pat uh went and and, and, the, and the call was a pass play. So, uh the world is uh appears to be closing in on Connor Stallions here, who by the way, after the story broke, scrubbed all his social media accounts. Was off social media. You you couldn't find him and and you won't be able to. But I tell you this, hand it to Michigan for being prepared, boys. Man, they were not only scouting their future immediate opponents, they were scouting potential college football playoff opponents. They were scouting Alabama. They were scouting Georgia. Man, they work ahead, no doubt. Yeah, not, leave nothing to chance. But I, lo- I, I like Deion Sanders' comments, though, and because he was asked about this, and, of course, he's played both baseball and football. And he said sign stealing is – to him, more important in baseball. It's it's because if you know a curveball is coming, it makes things a lot easier. He says sign stealing in football. You know teams are just trying to get an edge, and even if you know what the sign is, you still have to stop them. I, I get that, but is it? Can't you make that same argument for 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 baseball? Like you still got to hit the curveball. I mean, I know it makes it it makes well, it easier easy. to know what's yeah, coming. I'm not but, saying easier, but don't you know it's easier if you know there's a pass I, coming? I think it's easier, in, I say, in baseball, if you know a curve instead of a fastball. And, and that's what Dion's premise was, that uh, it it gives you more of an advantage. That's what he was trying to indicate. Because baseball, if you get the sign and you're okay with it, uh, you have a better advantage than in football. Because, yeah, maybe you know if a pass is coming, but you still have guys back there breaking it up or trying to break it up or something like that. His claim was that sign stealing is prevalent everywhere, 
but it could be more advantageous in baseball than in football. Astros cower in the corner with their <laughs> trash cans. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think the Astros thing was on another level. I, I don't know. I, I'm still inclined to believe that this Michigan thing was is kind of ho- kind of a whole lot of nothing, and the NCAA just wants their pound of flesh from Jim Harbaugh, and it's gonna get it no matter what. But I, I really do believe every team does. Yeah, here's what the Michigan thing, though: did. he may not even be there by the time so a decision comes down. He may be off to another job in the NFL or something. So, do you guys think? So, to your point, Bronner, do you guys think that teams literally have some sort of representative going to uh, opposing opposing stadiums or opponent stadiums and and doing that type of grunt work that that this Connor Stallions guy I is would, being a yeah. Accused Total of? guess, I would say yes, but maybe not to that extent. Maybe not as far-fetched as Stallions doing what he did. But I would think that in this day and age with social media, that this goes on probably at most places. Uh, maybe a student uh, goes to a game and gets information back or something like that. So I, I don't think it's— A campus I, correspondent. Yeah, I, I agree with Michael in one regard. But here's the other thing, too. Since it was prohibited, and as you pointed out, you know, going to get Harbaugh, his pound of flesh, again, if the Big Ten can weigh in, they may come down with some decision prior to an NCAA decision. The question, though, is, and this might be uh, a question for Angelique at 830, is does the— does the Big Ten want to do that? Here's potentially here's one of your shots of getting not just one but two college uh, teams in the college football playoffs. So by penalizing and potentially hurting those guys, you're hurting your chances in your financial payoff. Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that. I don't know because you know they have a new commissioner and everything. Everything's kind of new in the front office. So. It's something worth watching to see if it happens. All right, I know I we're know. running along. Let's we got a call. Let's let's take a call here on WNSP. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Going well. Hey, so I just don't. You would have to go to numerous games of the same team in order to really get anything figured out. I just can't see because. <laughs> You'd have to be watching the offense, the defense. You'd almost have to have numerous people in the stands at the same time. You can't watch the signs and then almost the play at the same time. Uh, yeah. Hey, thank you for the call. Uh, I I think you make a good point from a consistency sake, uh, but I do think I do think in one game you can you can record the hand signals and then go back and watch the film. And know whether, at the very least, I know this is very vanilla. You can know if it's a run or a pass. Um, that might not be enough to Dion's point, right? That's a little broad, maybe. So, how many games would you have to go to to watch to have an intimate knowledge of the team signals? It's an interesting question. I'm not dismissing it. I just thought dude liked to go to all the Big Ten stadiums before he retired. I want to see Bama at every SEC stadium. Maybe he wanted to see Michigan at every Big Ten stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they weren't playing. Scoreboard traffic <laughs> and weather are next. Jeff Kelly's going to join us at 6.30, by the way. Joey Jones at 7. Dan Jennings at 7.30. Chris Stewart at 8. 
lot going on. Stay with us. We're just getting started. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Six twenty-five. <clears throat> do they actually get a pennant anymore? Do, do they get like a legit pennant that they can hang up? Well, in they the- uh, they do have. I don't know if you call it legit, but they'll hang it up at the ballpark. You, if you go to a ballpark, you'll see like a World Series flag, like or a banner. Flags. But yeah, but they are pennants still. Yeah, I used to. You know, I was a kid. I used to collect pennants. Uh, I I don't say they're the the real thing. They're not championship pennants, but you know, you know, kids would buy the. Giants or Dodger pennants, and I'd have them hanging in my house for sure, but not did, the kind that you would see. Did at the I hear or read that the NBA rings that the Nuggets got yesterday had a pullout banner in it? Did y'all it's, did y'all hear this? I didn't hear it, but it's possible. We there was a pullout. What was the recent? Uh, it was about a couple of weeks ago. Rings were given out. I forgot which sport it was. And they had pullouts on it too, but not a ba- not a banner. But I, it doesn't surprise me. These rings are getting so gaudy and uh, expensive, and, and and there's a new wrinkle. It seems like every time a team wins a championship. Yeah, it sure does. That's really cool, huh? How much do these things weigh? That I don't. These know. rings. I can't. I can't tell you. I can't imagine somebody walking around town wearing one i i know that some of them some people will put them on display at their house or something or maybe have them under lock and key actually i'd wear that thing every day super bowl ring nba championship world series whatever yeah Yeah, somebody will cut your finger off to steal the ring they can try uh that but i'm showing that thing off everywhere i go well that's your prerogative but i'd wave it in your face until you said something oh this whole thing you know it's too and there's stories of athletes who have fallen on hard times they go out and sell these things yeah well i guess so uh all right coming up today i mentioned uh we're gonna talk some high school football jeff kelly's gonna join us uh we got to get you qualified for the alec Naiman catering party only got a couple more chances left before we give away the the next one which will be on friday uh we're gonna talk to south alabama center reggie smith or at least scheduled to around uh about a half hour 20 minutes from now joey jones will be along you mentioned the Hall of Fame, so we'll we'll catch up with Joey and the fact that Mississippi State's got a, a game of interest this week. Uh, Dan Jennings on the uh, World Series. We got to do uh, some Chick-fil-A for you guys. Chris Stewart will be along in hour number three as well. So we got a lot going on here. Uh, by the way, Jokic is doing Jokic things. He just picked up where he left off last night with a triple-double in game one. Steph was not good, by the way. I think he missed 10 of 14 from three-point range. Um, you know who really wasn't good was Anthony Davis. Hit yeah. only six out of 17. Uh, I thought you were going to say Adam Silver there for a while. Uh, Charles Barkley didn't go to break. Got after him about domestic abuse. Adam Silver seemed a little unprepared for that unscripted question. And then and then Barkley goes after TNT for the promotional graphic. Barkley was in midseason form even if Steph Curry wasn't. Dude just went off on everybody last night. He had a lot to say. It was a long offseason, apparently, for him, which is funny because I feel like the NBA doesn't have an offseason anymore. All right. High school 
football next. Sarah Land's Jeff Kelly joins us. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. It's not as pronounced as baseball. If I know a curveball is coming, I'm, I'm, I got you. You know, with, with football, I don't give a darn. If you know a sweep is coming, you still got to stop it. All right, 633, welcome back in. That, of course, the voice of Colorado's Deion Sanders when asked about the potential of sign-stealing. Uh, in college football, as it, of course, relates to Michigan and Mr. Connor Stallions. Well, speaking about stopping, that's the uh, chore facing the Theodore defense to stop the state's most powerful offense these days. Last I looked, uh, Sarah Land was leading the state in points per game somewhere around 54. They were off last week. Jeff Kelly will be hosting uh, Steve Mask and the Bobcats this coming uh, Friday. And, of course, that game will be on the Crab and Michael Brunner. We'll be at the mic. Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, Lee. Good morning. Well, who can forget the two games you had against Theodore last year? Now that Steve Mask is back, and of course you've coached against him when he was at St. Paul's, uh, has the st- uh, preparing for Theodore, th- their style of play, has it changed much? You know, not really. Uh, you know, they still uh, they look similar in a lot of ways. I, I have a lot of respect for Coach Mask. He's had a ton of success over the years, and and uh, you can tell that you know that he's come in and, and uh, you know really really affected the program in a in a great way over there. And, uh, and but they got some veteran coaches. I know uh, you know their, their defensive staff over there is kind of intact, and and uh, Coach Larson, their D coordinator. There's there's a from a schematic standpoint, there's probably a lot of similarities in terms of, of what they've done in the past, as are we. You know, there's there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. You know, always when you when you play a, a Theodore team, you gotta you gotta be ready for a physical ball game. You gotta be be ready to stop the run. Uh, you gotta you, you gotta be ready to, to finish drives and that kind of stuff. Whenever uh, you know, whenever you get down in the red zone, and uh, you know those things haven't changed. You know, it's still, uh, you know, those challenges still exist, and, and uh, you know we'll have to do those things on Friday. Coach, uh, how much do you take away, and how much do you scheme for individual players, generally speaking, in high school football? And the only reason I, I bring that up is, uh, you know. Theodore had a huge game last week with a guy that filled in for an injured Braxton Clark, and that was uh, Navante Richardson. How much of the, how much game planning goes in for like individuals, just generally, not necessarily for this week, but just in general? You know, uh, it depends on the position, probably. I think uh, you know if 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 you're looking at a receiver, you know, a lot of times in the secondary, you'll do different things and and have those uh, different concepts for the safeties. You know, concentrating on different things. A lot of times, as a tailback, 
you know, schematically, there's a lot of the, the same things you got to do regardless. And, uh, you know, their tailback, uh, you know, couldn't play last week, uh, but they had the great luxury to bring over an outstanding yeah. football player and, and a veteran uh, defensive guy, a linebacker that's, that's been a good player for a long time. And, and heck, I mean, you watch him play last week against McGill. Um, you know, he had as good or better performance as anybody that's that's run the ball for him this year. So uh, they've got a bunch of football players over there, and regardless who it is back there lining up, you know, you got to be able to stop them. You got to be able to defeat that big offensive line that's strong, and they do a great job in the run game. And so uh, whoever the, whoever they hand it to, I don't know if it matters a whole lot because they're both really good players. Coach, of course, we know about the offense. Uh, what do you think it's been? that the defense has taken such a big step this year. Obviously, statistically, you know, the defense would have told you that it, a lot of the reason they gave up points last year was because it was at the end of games. But, I mean, it's just been shut down this season. Well, I think I think a lot can be said about, you know, uh, cohesiveness, uh, veteran players. You know, when you look at you look at our unit over there on that side of the ball, you know, we really uh, – we lost one guy last year that, that played, you know, significant stats for us defensively. So, you know, those guys that, that played for us here down the stretch of the playoffs, those guys all were, were able to go through a great offseason, had a great spring training. And, you know, I told a lot of people before the season, I, I felt, you know, really good, you know, seeing those guys day in and day out during the spring, during the summer. Felt really good that we'd have a chance to to, to make that a strength of our team. And uh, those guys have done that up to this point. And uh, they've got a, such a great understanding. And they've been in a lot of those big game situations and had to make those plays in, in big moments. And, you know, uh, that's something that we're going to have to keep doing. Uh, but but I think uh, it's not a, a secret potion. It's not a anything. It's just guys that's been in the system that's, that's a year older, a year stronger. You know, a year smarter. They've seen a lot of the things that people try to do to them. Uh, you know, plus they go up against a pretty good offense. You know, day in and day out during the off season, and and uh, I, I think I think all that stuff makes everybody better. But you know, it's uh, I, I think that's the biggest difference in our team so far this year is just you know uh, a lot of people may say that that maybe last year we won in spite of defense or outscored people or whatever. Uh, this year, you know, our defense has been one of the front and center reasons to, uh, to us being able to win a few ball games. Jeff Kentley, our special guest, the head coach of the undefeated and top-rated team in 6A. Jeff, we're going to be asking this question to several of our guests today. And, of course, you played college football as a quarterback. You've even had a taste of the pro ranks. You know, the prevailing story of sign-stealing in, in football with Michigan being investigated, I'm kind of curious that people talk about it, They say it goes on everywhere. Uh, in your days at Old Southern Miss, was there such a thing as sign stealing? And even in the high school ranks, do you see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it happens everywhere, and that's and I think a lot of that's overblown. I mean, you come out to our game Friday night. If you watch, you know, both defensive staffs, uh, uh, the signals are going to be about the same. You know, uh, you know, their their coach was one of our coaches in the past and run. You know, schematically the same thing, and and uh, the signals are the same. So, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think a lot of that is uh, it's one thing to know them, but but the biggest challenge is being able to communicate that in time to make a difference. Um, 
You know, there's so many offenses that play fast nowadays. Uh, tempo is such a big part of the game, being able to, 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 to call a play and get it run very quickly. Uh, and so even if you know it, I, I don't know that you have time to communicate that to uh, to folks for it, for it even to make a difference. So, um, yeah, I know that's a big story, and it happens all the time. Heck, that's uh, – that's one of the reasons I held a clipboard for a couple of years in Seattle. You know, I, I was pretty good at it too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but 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 but, coach, the difference here is it's one thing to steal signs in the midst of the game or whatever. But was it going on that that representatives from other schools or other teams were traveling to uh, other stadiums on off weeks or when when your guy when your guys were playing to go steal signs from the stands? Oh, uh, yeah. That's another that's another question. I, I don't know. Uh, but when, but but I'll, I'll throw it back on on this concept. You know, if, if a team has a bye week, yeah, and uh, you know, and you go watch the other team play, I guarantee you, there's five or six coaches up in the sure. up in the bleachers that's watching the other sideline to see if they can pick something up. You know, and that's I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. That's just part of that's just part of ball. But uh, you're right. Um, I don't know know all the details of, of that situation, but, you know, as it relates to a high school world, um, you know, you're dealing with 15-, 16-, 17-year-old kids. And, you know, you just uh, – a lot of times we're happy to, to, to get our kids lined up to do what we want them to do. And, <laughs> and, uh, we're not really worried about what the other guys are yeah. doing. But, but everybody tries to do it. Heck, you got an off week, you're going to go watch somebody play. Your eyes just go to the sideline to see, hey – if I can pick something up, that's uh, you know. So I, I don't know that that's uh, that's part of ball. You go to a baseball game, it's part of ball. Eventually, with the the the, the big college games, they're going to have to go to what the NFL did. They're going to have to go to what you see in college baseball right now, and and you know even in high school baseball right now, you're able to you know they're able to to, to use headpieces and that kind of stuff and some of those things and be able to communicate and so they'll fix it that way eventually uh it's going to take some resources to do it there'll probably be a lot of people with you know the headset manufacturers and the communication manufacturers that's going to make a lot of money <laughs> off the changes that are going to be coming um yeah. you know but uh yeah that's part of the game right now i guess coach i want to ask you about cd gill obvious again like sim similar to the offense versus the defense a lot of people talk about sante and ryan i i, I understand why CD seems to make so many big catches for this offense, big third downs, big fourth downs even, because you guys go for it on fourth downs a lot. Tell me about how much he means to this offense. You know, CD may be the most valuable or one of the most valuable offensive skill guys we got. He does so much for us. He's such a smart football player. We're able to move him around and use him in different ways. He, he works the middle of the field as well as anybody that, that I've coached before. And... Um, you know he's he's benefited a, t a ton from from a lot of hard work that he's put in the, in the off season. He's uh, he's really uh, uh, turned into a great leader and extremely hard worker, and, and he makes big plays in big moments. And uh, you know he's he's a guy that you know if the defense spends time you know thinking and talking about hey where's Ryan lined up or where's you know Dylan or, or Jordan or, or some of these other receivers. You know, a lot of times they look up and and uh, and CD's breaking their heart in the end zone, and that's something he's done for a long time. And 
you know, for us the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I think he's one of uh, the really, really bright players in this area. And I think he's got a chance to to play football for a while. But he's uh, he's got that knack to, to make that tough catch in the big moment. You know, I think back to the Lipscomb game. You know, the thing probably turned that tide in the in the third quarter was a huge catch. You know that he made on a third and fourteen play. You know he make the the tough catch with a safety bearing down on him, and uh, he does a lot of those kind of things that really affects his football team in a great way, and and uh, one of the reasons that we're successful in a big way. Hey, Coach, we uh, really appreciate you coming aboard, man. It's been too long since we had a chance to talk to you. Congrats on all the success uh, now. I know you guys uh, aren't done yet, so best of luck this week, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Mark and I and Air Sports One will be out at uh, Elma Bryant tomorrow, thanks to Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. Also, thanks to Matt McCoy, since he's driving the vehicle. Uh, I do want to thank Dr. Christopher Mullenix and Dr. Aaron Wallander. Uh, they are two of the best oral surgeons around. I've, I've been to Dr. Christopher Mullenix, so I certainly can confirm that with a number of dental implants, but they specialize in anything to do with oral surgery. Let me say this. If you need somebody immediately or day of, give them a call. Chances are they'll see you in the afternoon, 471-3381. You do not need a referral. You don't need a referral. You can just take what I tell you, call. They're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. The team at Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, they provide facial trauma, knocked out teeth, wisdom teeth, dental implants, jaw surgery, and much, much more. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk some South Alabama Jaguars. Uh, center Reggie Smith scheduled to join us next. Joey Jones, the former South Alabama football coach, getting ready to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's going to join us at 7 o'clock. we got a lot going on. going to talk some baseball with Dan Jennings at 7.30. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide at 8 o'clock. And, of course, you. It's the opening kickoff. Wrap it up. Hour number one next. Right here from the studios of WNSP at Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Stay with us. Hey, this is Buggins Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. here on a busy Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, let's get out to the South Alabama football complex right now. We're going to talk with uh, center Reggie Smith. He's from Escambia County, Pensacola native. He anchors that offensive line. Reggie, welcome to WNSP's opening and kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, what's going on, fellas? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Hey, it's great to talk to you. All right. Now, when you came to South Alabama, you were a walk-on, and I believe your position was guard. But lately, I guess, what, the last year or two, they shifted you to the center. What's the transition been like? Uh, it's been a smooth transition for me. I played center in um, high school, so it wasn't too much different for me. Just tapping back into that, that mentality in high school. So it's been a smooth transition overall. Is there a lot more to do though at the center? I mean, obviously you got to get the the snap right. You got to, don't you, the one that de- determine the blocking schemes and things like that. Yeah, see, yeah, the snap is like the least of my words, and snapping just kind of came natural to me. But uh, yeah, but getting everybody else aligned and making the calls is probably the hardest part. But I spend a lot of time in the the film room, looking at fronts, looking at different calls, looking at different things defenses do, and different like uh 
change-ups they could do to, to kind of counteract our game plan. So I kind of spend a lot of more time in the film room now that I'm at center. That's been the biggest change. Reggie, you centers don't get enough respect, man. You guys are the only ones on offense in every game that always touch, that touches the ball on every play. You can't even say that about the quarterback. I've been a long advocate of instituting and bringing back the center sneak. What do you think? I mean, hey, I'm all for it. If they let us, man, why not? <laughs> Reggie, I've talked to uh, a number of centers. I've done shows with them, and they tell me that the center is the smartest player on the team. Would you subscribe to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm most definitely. Because, like I said, just it's it's kind of like being a, a quarterback of an offensive line. You know, you got to know where all five guys are doing, where all five guys' assignments are on each play to make sure everybody, you know, got a hat on the hat and the run schemes and the even protections. You know, they a lot of teams are coming over more like funky schemes and a, a lot of these weird like uh, defensive schemes and protections and stuff with, with pass rush. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I said this isn't the smartest player. When did you find out about getting a scholarship? What was that like when they told you? Uh, man, that was a, a surreal moment for me, man. It's just, I found out like going into one of the like last practices of uh, fall camp in 22 season, and uh, it was just a surreal moment for me, man. I just was so happy and just for me, I just rushed to call my parents and just share that experience with them, man. Because without them, I wouldn't be without them, and without God, it just it would never happen for me. So it was just a uh, like I said, this is a surreal moment. Just, just seeing all the the work I put into it and everything just coming to fruition for me. So, the uh, there's a a famous tradition there about wearing number five. In fact, it was started by our next guest, uh, Joey Jones, who's going to be on with us in a few minutes. Is it my understanding that that number five that you were going to wear it this coming week? Did I misread that? Uh, no, you're you're correct. I'm going to be wearing it. But the the weird thing about offensive line is we can't actually wear five. We got to wear number uh, fifty. So I'm going to be uh, in the fifty jersey this week. With that center sneak, of course. I'll talk to Kane about implementing that, man. We're going we're going to get that taken care of for you. <laughs> uh, so did I did I did I hear correctly? You're a Patriots fan because there's a guy here that lives and dies by the uh, by the Patriot way. It's been a long season for him, to say the least. Yeah, man, it's been a tough one. We've been having some uh, some quarterback trouble, but most definitely a long-term Patriots fan. Just coming up watching Tom Brady there and just kind of – I will say I'm more so of a Brady fan, but I still I still uh, love the, the Patriots franchise. I try to keep up with them as much as I can, but it's definitely been a tough one this year. So did you watch – big did, window over the Bills. So yeah, no, that was a that. huge win. Did So did you watch 80 for Brady? Because it doesn't really seem like your demographic, nor mine, quite frankly. No, I haven't seen yeah. that yet. Yeah, it's probably a good call. Reggie Smith, South Alabama starting center on the phone with us right now. Is the tush push in your playbook, South <laughs> Alabama's playbook? Is that a, a play that is that is that I something don't know if I can I don't know if I can disclose that information, man. <laughs> you gotta just if you catch it one Saturday, man, hey, you didn't hear from me. All right, well hypothetically, <laughs> rhetorically asking for a friend, if it were in the playbook, would it be called the Tush Push, or did it, would you personalize the name of it to make it more South Alabama-esque? Uh, I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't know if I can break a huddle without laughing with hearing Tush Push, so we probably <laughs> have to come up with something. <laughs> so you guys actually huddle? I didn't know they did that anymore. Do they huddle? Uh, yeah, we try to switch it up. We go from a little tempo to huddle sometimes just to 
just play with the defense a little bit. Hey, have you have you guys noticed? I noticed this last week. We talked about it on our show. When guys go tempo, when offense goes tempo, as you know, officials will hold up and wait for the opponents, the defense, to get a chance to sub. The subs are taking their sweet little time on defense. It happened in Alabama-Tennessee game. Alabama had to burn a timeout. Utah did it to USC last week constantly. Are you starting to see that trend a little bit in college football? Yeah, but the thing with our tempo is usually when we go tempo, we don't sub at all. So yeah. we get right on the ball and snap. And if the defense is subbing, we don't have to wait on them. Yeah. No, so we're real call. conscious. We're talking to the rest before games to make sure to watch when we go tempo to make sure they see that we're not serving. Reggie Smith joining us. Reggie, a big topic of conversation these days, sign stealing. Uh, as far as you could tell when you're on the field, have have you detected that, that maybe the opposing team have, have your offensive signs or, or maybe uh, when you're on offense that you pretty well know what's going to happen with the defense? Uh. Nah, I can't say that I've seen that with the, uh, with the teams we played. I don't think anybody's really got a, a beat on our signs. I think they probably talk to, like, opponents we played and try to, like, get our calls from, like, other guys. But as far as stealing our signs, I think everything we do is so complicated that it'd probably be wasting their time trying to steal our signs. Uh, quickly, before we let you go, got a big one, man, coming up. Um, obviously, you guys have outscored opponents uh, 110 to 10 or something stupid. It's it's very Madden-esque. Uh, you got to love your chances going into that Louisiana game. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. We, uh, we just right now, we're playing with a lot of consistency, just taking it game by game, just play by play, and, you know, just focusing week by week on the opponent and what we can do to, to hurt their defense, what their weaknesses are, and, uh, you know, come out with a W, just executing really is the, the main topic in the building, just executing each play one at a time, one play at a time. All right, quickly, what's a better chance of happening this Saturday, uh, the Jags executing the tush push or the center sneak? Uh, <laughs> I have to say the tush push. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say tush push. Get it on the record. Hey, Reggie, thank you so much for spending some time with us, man. We appreciate it. Wish you guys the best of luck, man. We uh, got a lot of folks in the community cheering for you guys. All right, man. Appreciate that. Yep. Do want to remind everybody that Mark and I next Monday, as we look ahead, we will be at Wing Fingers, and and I say that because. Get out there and register for Alabama LSU football tickets. Bob Baumhauer giving away two. We'll pick a uh, winner. Will be picked a week from today. We'll announce it next Thursday, a week from Thursday. But that registration box should be set there right by the cash register. So go put your name in there if you want to go to the LSU Alabama game. Uh, by the way, speaking of being on the road, the Dr. Christopher Monix High School Game Day takes us to Bryant tomorrow on a Thursday edition. But fear not. It's so much fun, and it's so nice. We're going to do it twice. Then on Friday, we turn around and go to Mobile Christian. So Air Sports 1 getting a workout. This will be our final day in studio. Bronner already moping over there about it. Enjoy the time you have with us, Michael. Don't get all upset. Make the most of it. Joey Jones is next here in hour. It will kick off hour number two, the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner right here in the studios at WNSP. It's Sports Radio 105.5. Stay with us.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 7.05 here in hour number two on our Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff, Mark Lee and Bronner. All right, in the headlines, the Arizona D-backs are going to the World Series for the first time since 2001. They beat Philadelphia yesterday by a score of 4-2, to two, so they'll be at Texas. Game one is Friday night. Joining us now, the uh, soon-to-be South Alabama Hall of Famer, He'll be honored this coming Saturday at the University of South Alabama, along with Daniel Leitner in tennis, Kevin Hill in baseball, Charday Hanna in soccer, our good friend Joey Jones, the first football coach in the history of South Alabama. Joey, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Great. How are you guys? We're doing fine. Looking forward to seeing you in town this coming uh, Saturday. Are you going to stick around for for the game also, or are you going to be trying to get up to the uh, Mississippi State-Auburn game? No, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna be at the game. Um, I think they're doing a little deal at halftime, so um, I'm, I'll be there for that. And uh, just really good to see the game too. You know, I really hadn't seen them live this year, and uh, so looking forward to watching them play Lafayette. What does that mean to you to go into the Hall of Fame as the first South Alabama football coach? Um, you know, I, I really think it's really not about me as much as it's about everybody who just, you know, started the program and, you know, sacrificed to start the program. Uh, we had a bunch of players that came that, that you know, believed in our vision and, you know, and decided to come there, didn't have anything, didn't have any uh, any facilities or anything like that. And uh, they, they came and believed in it. And, you know, I, I think really things – it's – it's about everybody involved in the program in those early years, especially, and really even up till now. I mean, you know, so I think that it's really more than that, and I I fully recognize that. I I think that's probably the most important aspect of all this that gets missed when you start talking about any program that starts from scratch is that initial group is is something special because – they're not really promised anything. <laughs> They're not given anything. They're not coming to anything. They're creating it all um, for what's to come, and that's a hard ask of kids these days. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I think that. Uh, but more, I, I, I really, you know, looking back on it and um, talking to the players, you know, a lot of the players from over the over the years and. They just have great relationships. It's amazing the guys that they keep in touch with each other through through that time, and, it, and that tends to happen with you know a lot of football teams, sure. not just you know. But uh, but that that uh, they really do, and it's a special thing that that those guys put together. And and um, so I think you know, so, and, we, and we kind of challenge them with that. I mean, so you know, you you gonna be the first to ever do it, and you are gonna be always remembered. And I and I think they will. And you kind of see the fruits of that a little bit now. So they're. Yeah, it's a special, it was a special time and, and a real rare opportunity for, for everyone. You think there'll be more points in the Mississippi State-Auburn uh, game than there was last week, the uh, 7-3 <laughs> win for Mississippi State over Arkansas? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought that was uh, like one of those uh, 1980 games, 81 games, you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I tell you, it was, 
I don't know, but I, you know, I know both defenses are really good, and um, and I just know that we, you know, we went out there the other day, and and I, I talked with the coaches, and you know, they just felt like the defense played so well and just gave us a great chance to win. It kind of got conservative offensively and that type of thing, and and uh, but you know, getting a win in SEC is hard to come by, you know, as uh, uh, as you know, so uh, but uh, yeah, this game's going to be interesting. I, I think that uh, Hughes done a heck of a job. He's brought a lot of transfers in and and um, got some players in there, and, and uh, you know he's I have the most respect for him and what he's done. He'll get it going for sure. And um, but our guys are hungry too, and I think that uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Bring us up to date on the Mississippi State quarterback situation. I think I believe Wright replaced Rogers, who was hurt. Rogers, of course, a mainstay for years, uh, and and how did Wright play? I think he's a transfer from Vanderbilt, I believe. And is it will Rodgers be back in action this week against Auburn? I don't know that. Um, and I think it's uh, he's, he's questionable, and that, you know, that pretty much means coming down to the you feel game day kind of thing, but I uh, don't know the answer to that. But I know that uh, Mike came in um, and played well running the ball. You know, he's eight for twelve throwing, uh, which you know, like in these days, um, I, I've been doing somersaults. We threw it twelve times when I was at Alabama, but you know, now, you know, now that's not throwing the ball very much. But I think he threw it well. He, he was eight for twelve, and uh, so I just think that that uh, we just felt like we could beat him, you know, on, on the ground and just just keep get run the clock and win the game. And but uh, but I think he's he's capable of throwing it, uh, and so. Uh, I believe I thought a little bit to to uh, compete with Auburn. All right, Joey. The uh, hottest story is sign stealing, as you know, with Michigan uh, from your days <laughs> at South or in the SEC. Uh, does this go on? Uh, is it is it well known that teams do it? Uh, and you know, you, you're an analyst. You got a whole bunch of analysts on every SEC school. Is that part of their job to go out and try to detect signs? I don't think it's I don't think it's real common, but I do think you know you we'd be all be naive to say that that doesn't hardly happen. Um, uh, I think it's it's happening out there. I don't know how many, um, but you know everybody tries to gain advantage of it. And you know we're probably all you know the, the rules are rules, but um, but I I always thought that you know and you know we. <laughs> Every team tries to do it during the, you know the game, and of course on film, you, know, you got guys watching the film trying to get get signals off the film. And the reality is, the way as fast as people go today on offense, and you're trying your defense trying to make a call, and you you may have their play. I mean, but heck, they're running the play within eight seconds, you know, and you don't really have time to get it in and to make any difference, you know. But um, I'm, I'm sure at times it could help you if they slow down. Uh, but, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the game. I mean, it's just like baseball, uh, stealing signals in baseball, you know, I mean, uh, the, the, that part's really not the issue. Just, I guess, sending those guys to the game when, you know, you're not supposed to do that is the issue. When you step back on campus and then you'll see Hancock Whitney stadium. And I, I, you may have, I think you've already been there before anyway, but, and then you got Kane Womack who you hired. Uh, during your days, just uh, maybe reminisce a little bit about that. You know where this program is now with the stadium, the coach who's been doing a pretty good job, and and where the program is right now. Well, um, when they hired Kane, I was 
Really happy. To me, he was one of the most loyal guys I ever had on my staff. Uh, he is a great personality. He's a great football coach. Um, I mean, just a young, hungry uh, uh, head coach. And, I, and I, I was tickled to death when they hired him, and he's done a really good job. He's such a good person, you know, really deep down to the core. He's real genuine. Um, so we talked the other night. Uh, for I don't know 30 minutes or so, and we stay in touch. And uh, he's you know he's been real respectful of, of, of you know all the early teams and all that because he knows how hard it was back then. And and I, I respect that. And so I just I think South's got a, is about as good a coach as they can get. And and I'm just I'm just tickled to death how it's going. And you know just having game day is one thing we all dreamed about. You know I mean I couldn't wait to have a chance to get on campus stadium and you know. And you know, I say, people may say, "Well, you never get that opportunity." I said, "Yeah, you know, I get opportunity, a lot of opportunities. I get to go and watch and enjoy it. I mean, that's that's just as fun as going out there and coaching it. So it's um, uh, it's just such a unique atmosphere when you do have one on campus, a stadium, and game day, and all that. I, it's just to me, it's it's what President Moulton and and um, everybody involved, Joe Godfrey, tried to, when they put the program together. Uh, that they had that in mind, and and, uh, and and it's come to fruition now. Joey, I know I've asked you this question before, but it, it now, of course, you coached at Mississippi State uh, on field as a special teams coach a while back. But do you still get reminded about the time you took the Jags there and beat a Dan Mullen Mississippi State team? Does anybody ever bring that up again? <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, it comes up at least once a week, so it's uh, <laughs> kind of funny. But uh, anyway, we uh, I was actually. The new hires were, went to a meeting with AD, and there was about, you know, I don't know, eight or ten people that had been hired in the athletic program, and we had a little meeting, and and that came up, and the, <laughs> he brought it up, you know, about that happening, so it was kind of funny. But anyway, yeah, it's, um, it tends to come up uh, from time to time. Hey, Coach, congratulations, man. It, we really uh, appreciate you coming aboard. I, I know it's going to be a big uh, day for you, as it should be. Uh, a lot of memories, and we always appreciate the time you, you spend with us. So uh, enjoy the moment, and uh, we wish you the best. And, of course, we'll get back at you pretty soon. Okay, man. Well, Y'all have a great day. Take care. That's Joey Jones, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, we'll see if we can catch up with Roy Hudson. Got to get you a little fried deliciousness uh, today. Dan Jennings will be uh, around for some baseball this hour as well. We got to get you qualified for another round of naming it. That's right. Uh, we're going to. We're going to award another tailgating party coming up on Friday. So this is your second to last chance to get qualified for that round. And then in hour number three, Chris Stewart. And we're going to go up to Michigan and talk to a reporter who covers the Wolverines. See if anybody can find Connor Stallions. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Certainly talk to Danny. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. It's a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff. Roy Hudson from Community Bank joins us this morning. Roy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Roy, good morning. 
Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great to have you on with us. So we missed you last week. So update us on some of the activities with Community Bank. You know, one thing that's just happened for uh, a lot of our uh, customers is it's crazy. We talk about all the deposit services and everything. And one thing that just sort of gets left out there in the wind is Christmas Club. It is something that is so good to be able to just put stuff away for the for the year. And then, you know, when it gets time to go out and buy all those presents for all your loved ones, you have this Christmas Club that comes to you. And the interesting thing about it, too, Lee, it pays a, a really good rate. I think this year's Christmas Club paid 5%. So it just is a way for uh, a lot of families to go out there and plan for uh, the holidays and just put a little bit away. And then at the end of the year, you get it with a great interest rate. So just wanted to mention that. But all our products and services, Lee, are competitive we have great uh, pricing on all our products and services and we have an experienced team that just loves to uh help our customers and deliver on those uh outstanding products and services as well and they can reach you or anybody at community bank by doing what yeah, it's by giving us a call at 338-7707 or coming into one of our five uh, local offices we'd love to help them roy do you think there'll be a more scoring uh, saturday at auburn uh, than there was last week at arkansas with that seven to three game with mississippi state taking on auburn i don't know but it should be embarrassing to have another three to two game wouldn't it um I don't know. It just depends. I think the receiver play has been really lacking at uh, at Auburn, so we'll see if we can get something going. But uh, it's, it's going to be troublesome throughout the rest of the year just with that offense. I don't know what's going on up there. All right. Well, you know what's going on with Community Bank, and all they have to do is call you, and we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you guys can jump in and spending a lot of time on the, the latest revelation that uh, the couple things. One, the uh, Connor Stallions, I just like saying Connor Stallions, quite frankly. But uh, not only uh, was he, was he, as you mentioned the scoreboard, was he scouting or um, other Big Ten venues and teams. Uh, it has, uh, he was also at the SC or paying for tickets for the SEC championship game. Scouting, it was re- reported early that they were, that he was scouting potential college football playoff opponents it has now come out that tickets were purchased for the sec championship game between georgia and alabama now my question is did he go because you mentioned this now one did he go to all these games or was is it like a pyramid scheme is dude like recruiting other guys to yeah, go i think that's you're right i think he didn't go to all the games he uh he had people he hired people or they knew of people i mean maybe he, okay for instance he says okay hey how would you like to go to the sec championship game maybe he's got a buddy or something like that and then maybe you didn't have to pay him to say just do this here's your you got tickets to the game i got you tickets for the game you go there you enjoy and you report back to us if you can uh, come up with any information regarding signs and things like yeah. that that's how i think it happened now he may have gone to a few games i as an analyst um as a spectator, I'm sure he could have if he wanted to. I don't know much about his background. Every day we get more and more about him. So I think he probably went to a few games, but there's no way he went to all these 30, 35, 40 games. So here's my – the more we talk about this, uh, the more I feel like this isn't a huge deal in the midst of a game, right, and the difference between wins and losses. But here's my problem with that line of thinking. This is where I kind of get conflicted. If we know it's not that big of a deal, and people we've talked to knows in the grand scheme of life it's not that why was Michigan doing it? Because they're paranoid. 
most coaches are paranoid, and they do what. As well, if you're Dion, paranoid, then you're then you're Dion, protecting yourself from that. Kind Dion of thing. said it best. Everybody's looking for that little edge, even if it was just one little thing that could help win. That's what Dion. He's right. They they're always looking for that little edge to get that one thing that maybe. You know, they, they spend the money on the tickets and all that. And maybe you go and see a game, and maybe you see uh, Ohio State play prior to the Michigan game, and you detect one little thing that maybe uh, a running back has a tendency to do something, fumble this or that, and one little thing that could change the outcome of a game. Yeah. The SEC championship part of the story is uh, quite amusing given the fact that that game was a complete and utter blowout in the favor of Georgia. Think about how Michigan. bad it would have been had they not <laughs> gone to that Georgia-Alabama. You thought it was bad before. This story just gets, I mean, more and more ridiculous. Every person we've asked who, who knows a thing or two has said this is a complete non-story, not a big deal. They um, apparently didn't scout TCU very well, did they? Evidently yes. not. So, uh, and, th- and this is the, the question... A great question in the app, and I think one that most of us are interested. In. How, how did he, how did he get caught? Like, what is it that that other than coaches saying? Because look, all coaches say every coach they play against cheats. That happens on every level. Everybody's cheating. Not me, but everybody. Like everybody think, says that. I think. But it, how did they it was get a co- caught? It was a coach from uh, a Big Ten team, I think, that blew the whistle. Or, or I told you, and I don't know if it was. I'm not saying. I'm not confirming it was the Rutgers coach Greg Schiano. But in, a, in an interview at halftime, I heard the interview. That he said something fishy is going on out here. Uh, yeah. he, I don't, he didn't use the word fishy, but he said something strange is going out here. The reporter did not follow up on that because they had no knowledge of right. it. So I think that's how it happened, Mark. Now, again, when Angelique comes on, maybe she can uh, better confirm a story or two how it happened. But I think it had to do with uh, – usually the only way these things come about is when a coach on another team blows the whistle. Yeah. All right, uh, Dan Jennings scheduled to join us next. We'll talk a little. Uh, I'm sure sign stealing will come up. Uh, we'll talk some about base up ball. Also, got to get you qualified for the naming it. And Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Plenty left. It's the opening kickoff. Seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for, as Lee likes me to put, your chance at some fried deliciousness. You just like that well word, deliciousness? Said. I do, I do, and you say it so well, it just well, rolls off your tongue. Well, deliciousness is clearly a noun. Okay, rolls off weird. your tongue, you do a great job hey, on now. that. The question today. Yeah, your side of the table there, Shervanian. Let's go back to Monday. Texas <laughs> won game seven over Houston. The oddity. The road team won all seven games. Strange as it may seem, the road team won all seven games. Name the last two major league teams that participated in a postseason seven game series in which the road team won all of the games. 694-1055. Certainly somebody who knows is on the line with us right now. There's a little hint for you. Dan Jennings, Assistant General Manager of the Washington Nationals. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? 
No, I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you? Good. Give us the – you'll be the first one a prediction. Arizona at Texas. How do you feel about the World Series? Who wins it and why? Well, I can say this, Lee. I was certainly, certainly surprised because I didn't think either one of these teams uh, had – the only person I know that actually predicted this correctly back in March was Michael Bronner. I mean, he was the one guy that said it would be a Texas and Arizona series. Um, but, no, I, you know what, I'm uh, – I'm looking forward to this. I think you got two teams two years ago that lost over 100 games apiece, and now they had to fight right up until the end to get in as wild cards, and they're playing, and they're playing very well. I, I give a little bit of an edge to Texas, um, mainly because of Bochi. Uh, he's been there. He's a three-time world champ, and I think there'll be a you know a calming effect of you know the highs and lows and not getting too much either way. So I, I'm hoping again for seven games, and uh, I give a I give a small edge to the Rangers uh, mainly because of uh, of their manager Bruce Bochy. So Mark asked me wh which team was I most impressed with or surprised got in. Mine was Arizona because they have a bunch of no-names and hardly anybody knows who is in that lineup, cast-offs and things like that, whereas Texas went out and bought a lot of their, you know, Simeon, Sa uh, uh, Corey Sager, uh, Schwarzer in the trade, the Grom who wasn't even in, involved in this. What, wh which of those two teams surprised you the most to get where they are today? Oh, it was definitely Arizona. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of homegrown guys there. Um, and as you alluded to, kind of a no-name bullpen who, man, oh, man, they get to the uh, seventh inning with what some of those guys have done. Pretty impressive. So, overall, I would say probably the biggest surprise um, you know, when you looked at starting the season, everybody certainly had San Diego and the Dodgers, you know, as the top two teams out there, not not a Colorado or Arizona. And for those guys to do what they've done just goes to show you that realistically, no matter what the pundits say or what's written, it's about the true belief inside that clubhouse amongst your players. And uh, you know, you heard last night over and over. That was kind of a uh, that was kind of a sounding uh, mantra: is that no one in here believed but us. And so, hats off to them because they've certainly made it happen. Dan Jennings joining us. All right. I, I'd like to see that, you know, I, I, I didn't really get much of a kick out of this thing with the baseball. They, they said a relief pitcher has to stay at least three batters for the playoffs. Can they extend that maybe to five or six batters so we don't see this constant parade of relief pitchers? <laughs> hey, just remember the days when Tony La Russa, you know, you had a, a single batter matchup. And uh, you know what? You, you would get sometimes in one inning three or four arms to run out there. So I... Uh, it was really interesting how these uh, managers worked their bullpen and also utilized a lot of starters in bullpen roles to uh, to help bridge the gap, you know, to get towards the end. And I, uh, it's such a key down the stretch when you, you know, everyone's out of gas right now. You're running on adrenaline of being in the postseason, and uh, you know when you can limit your big three at the end of a game 
from unnecessary work, then that saves a little, uh, that saves some bullets for the uh, times when it really matters. Questions that are inexplicable. Arizona going to Philadelphia and winning six and seven with that boisterous crowd there. That's incredible to me. Road teams winning all seven games in a series. What's going on in this sport? Uh, you know what's amazing about that is the fact that uh, when you look at what Arizona was up against, and I was actually out in Arizona doing some work in the fall league, and, uh, you know, the fans around the area, they were happy for the year that they had, but then when they, they got behind in the series, uh, I think they almost felt like that, you know, it's been a nice run, but they're not quite ready yet. And, uh, man, when you go up there to Philly, I think I saw a decibel level of 107 or something. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's like being at Bryant-Denny on a Saturday night, you know, the, the, how loud that can be. And I think the case there where they just willed themselves to win and took a very tough environment and turned it into a positive for them. All right. Sign stealing. Your specialty. (laughs) (laughs) I've been around some guys who are very, very good at it. A couple of them with uh, South Alabama roots. Uh, Mike Mordecai comes to mind. Scott Seeley comes to mind. Just tremendous at doing that. But you were also at the center of the Houston Astros. You helped uh, Washington win that World Series. But I want to get to this, first of all, the overview of the sign-stealing scandal that's going on in Michigan, your reaction to that? Well, I, you know what? I think any time there is a competitive sport, you're always going to have someone from either side looking for that competitive advantage. It's just human nature. There will never be uh, any sport where people are not trying to find a way to get an advantage. That being said, there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way. And if you do it the wrong way, that's cheating. Now, I've read and I've seen videos and different things about what they were trying to do, and it it almost sounds to me like they were videoing, you know. Certainly it's a thing because going on now 20-plus years, you're seeing three or four people flashing sides from the sideline. You're seeing all these multiple signs with different advertisements on them. And so I think that all coaches try to in some way disguise their ability to signal in their signs. And now that this analytic has gotten so involved, a.k.a. what the Astros did, they they videoed the flashes or the numbers, and I think this is what was going on, what I've read in Michigan, where they tried to video over and over, you know, okay, they go ear, they go right arm, left arm, and by doing that, they can run the schematics and get the analogy of it and go, okay, we can pick up their plays and signal them to our defense. So. If it's done that way, that's cheating, and they deserve whatever punishment they're going to get. But if you're naive enough to flash signs and think that people aren't watching and then they pick them up, then I think that's on the team. Do you think, the, the from what you read now, and it's still you know, kind of early and all the reports are coming out, that this was any worse than what the Astros did in baseball? Uh, not if it was accomplished like theirs were. Now, 
I mean, come on. When you start banging a trash can to signal certain pitches, uh, you're going over the edge. And to have it that complex like the Astros did and to focus in strictly on the catcher's fingers and what he's putting down, that's, that's just blatant cheating. And they did not, in my opinion, get the just punishment that they should have. They should have taken the championship away from them, stripped them of it, and other things. But that being said, I think this was implemented to try to do the same thing. I just don't know if it was that uh, efficient. He's Dan Jennings. He joins us here on WNSP. We're, we're, we're burying the lead here. The best part of the story, and I continue to say this, Dan, is the fact that the guy's name is Connor Stallions. That, that's, that's, just, that's just too much fun. Yeah, I mean, there's. Yeah, I'm sure, as we all know, the Internet's undefeated. There'll be some fun coming from this, and uh, I fully expect many memes to, be, uh, to follow. Deion Sanders compared sign-stealing football, baseball. Which sport do you think gains more of an advantage with sign-stealing, baseball or football? I think probably baseball because you have a little more time, uh, you know, to get a signal to your hitter uh, of what pitch is coming. Um, you know, certainly, man, on the bench, these guys sit around and they'll talk about it over and over about how a pitcher – places his glove one way to dig in for a fastball, and then he turns his glove just enough to dig in for a breaking ball. And these guys that have done it for a long time, they're good at it. And so then they signal to the hitter, hey, if you see this, it's been a fastball. If you see that, it's been a breaking pitch. And let me tell you what, those cats up there are good enough. If they know what's coming and they can eliminate a pitch, you're in trouble. So I think the way football operates now, you've got so many of these hurry-up offenses and things, probably a little more difficult to signal a sign in um, and, and you know, try to get that advantage. Yeah, and there's another thing, too. So many teams out there can't even get the right number of players on the field and without getting a penalty flag. So <laughs> there's that, too. Hey, it's too bad you're going to be out of, you're gonna be, uh, out of the country, right, when LSU and Alabama play? I will, but they will, I will find a way from beautiful Ireland to uh, tune in about 3 a.m. and make sure I'm locked in to watch that. And uh, I, I'm expecting a very exciting uh, SEC football game. Did you know the answer to our question? I might know it, Lee. I think I was part of it. You were part of it. Houston and Washington, the last time that – we had a seven-game series where the road teams won every game. Look, uh, I don't know if I'll catch up to you before your trip. I think you'll leave next week, but we certainly wish you the best, Danny, and thanks for coming aboard. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great week. Thank you. That's Dan Jennings, ladies and gentlemen. A uh, quick reminder, big event coming in, the 11th Annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash set for December 6th. I told you, $10,000 drawdown, the silent auction uh, is going to be killer. It always is. I told you we'd get some information on some of the items. They're starting to roll in. So Dr. Mike Grimm, who runs the 11th Annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash, has already told me they have signed mini helmets from Hugh Freeze, Carnell Williams, Tank Bigsby. They've got Alabama fans. They got a Najee Harris one. You'll have a Bruce Pearl basketball signed, a Butch Thompson baseball, and a Hugh Freeze football. Those are just some of the silent auctions. And, and... Remember last year we talked about it? It's still available. From the natural, 
a signed jersey by Robert Redford of the Knights, which I think is probably the coolest silent auction item you could possibly have. It's going to be available. It's you got to get tickets, though. There are only 300 tickets sold. Plus, you got the whole $10,000 drawdown to to, uh, to consider too. So not only could you come away with some great gifts, you can come back. You can come down with come back with a uh, 10 grand. So give you a little update. The the Booster Club that's an organization that supports wheelchair sports at Auburn University. Over the years, they've raised more than 150,000 for Auburn wheelchair sports. It's a great event. It's here locally at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. It's going to be catered. DJ'd by our own Matt McCoy. So a bunch of great items. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Auburn wheelchair basketball coach Rob Taylor expected to be there. He's going to speak at the event. Also, the coach for the United States Paralympic team. This event is a great opportunity for the parents who have children with a disability to get information to how to, how to help their children get involved in wheelchair sports. Again, it's the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. Call Dr. Mike Rim, 232-4753. It's 232-4753. Tickets, want to donate an an item for the silent auction. If you have any questions, he can help you. Again, the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash set for December 6th at St. Dominic's. When we come back, you got a chance to qualify for the Alec Naiman Catering Party, another edition of Naming It. Stay with us. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSD. Come on, everybody. I say, now let's play a game. I bet you I could make a rhyme out of anybody's name. The first letter of the name. All right, let's do it, boys and girls. 750, wrapping up our number two here. It is the opening kickoff. And you hear the music, that can only mean one thing. It's time for another edition of Naming It. That's right. We play a video or an audio or whatever, a person, place, or thing. Be the first person to identify whatever this might be, and you'll be the latest to qualify for the Alec Naming Catering Party. Here's what we're doing. Hey, DJ, spin that stuff. Good enough. It's one of those series where you could probably play it for an hour. All right, if you have any idea specifically of what that is, give us a call. We're going to do this on the air right now at 694-1055. Let me know when we got them racked here, and we will do that. Because coming up in hour number three, uh, Chris Stewart's going to kick things off. We'll talk uh, with a reporter who covers the Michigan Wolverines as well. All right, here we go. Go ahead, caller. What is it that you just heard right there on WNSP? Uh, that is incorrect. It's close, right? We're on the right track, but we need to know specifically what that was. Go ahead, caller. Hello? Yep, you're on. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a dry erase pencil or marker writing on something. Well, which is it? <laughs> <laughs> Writing on a dry erase board. I'm gonna have to say close, but no cigar. I think because these are it's a, if you use this on a dry erase, you probably ruin the dry erase board. So uh, I'll, I'm gonna have to uh, have to go with another one. Six nine four one zero five five. All right, caller, knock it out of the park for us. 
I think is a shelter marker. Boom! Who are we talking to? We're talking to Kelsey. Kelsey, congratulations, Kelsey. sir. Stay on the line. You're the latest to qualify for the Alec Naiman catering party. It was indeed a Sharpie. Uh, clearly, uh, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but uh, that was a good one. Three. Don't get it right on the on the first time, but not too long. So congratulations to you, sir. Um, we will do this again tomorrow, and then we will announce the winner on Friday. So congratulations to you. All right. Otherwise, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. There was some baseball last night. Uh, the the sign-stealing thing is taking on a, a life of its own, if you want to jump in on that. The NBA got started last night. Charles Barkley had some uh, – he was in midseason form. He essentially called out Adam Silver on domestic uh, uh, violence right there in a very unscripted question and then kind of went after TNT for not having the Joker and the Nuggets on their uh, season opening graphic, just basically called it stupid. So uh, Charles in prime form here already to start the season. Yeah, they really, uh, they really almost gave that away. I almost did. <laughs> you you would ruin a dry erase board if you use this on it. Oh, what I wonder what it could be. Well, you could say that about this pen I'm while well, a ballpoint pen. You you could ruin a dry you erase. Could, you wouldn't write on it. No one would wouldn't show up on a dry erase board with a pen. This guy getting critical of the way I I, I give clues now. Well, I mean, what more do you want there? You should hear the way he talks about you when you're off. The I air. know. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, the, the thing about Barkley, and as entertaining as that show, how come they never quote Kenny Smith or Shaquille O'Neal? It's always Charles Barkley. Um, they Those guys talk. Yeah, Kenny is a lot more uh, analytical. Act, on yeah, and he's also more opinionated when it comes to issues other than basketball. Shaq, I've never been able to – Shaq doesn't say much, but when he does say something, it does have an impact. Especially if he stands up. Well, I think there's also a lot more interest in what Charles is going to say because of the state we live in. And I uh, I think it's hard to not like Charles because his opinions are on both the left and the right. I mean, I don't want to get all – I said it the second time I'm saying this now because I don't <laughs> want to get all political. But I, I think it's hard not to uh, um, at least acknowledge or respect – might be the best way to put it. Respect his opinions because they vary so much. He's also off the wall at times. Sure. And, you know, I think that. But uh, the other guys do are a sounding board. It's just that you don't see on other shows even where they quote, well, Kenny Smith said this or Shaquille O'Neal had this to say. It's always about Charles Barkley. Because it's rarely about basketball. And if it is, it's very critical of people almost to their face. Right, he's real. He, I, I think he's real about that. Uh, someone in the app, probably. Yeah. You were gonna mention. I was gonna say the same comment in the app. Yeah, I mean, he's saying Kenny is statistical. Shaq gives the player standpoint. Barkley gives what the common man thinks. I think is a per really, really good way of, of of saying it, of putting it. Do you agree with that? I don't watch the show as much as I probably should, so I, I I'm going to agree with it only because I don't have enough knowledge of it. I do know that Kenny Smith has probably made some of the more impactful uh, statements on that show, but it rarely gets out there in the media. Um, 
Oh, and by the way, uh, Steph was not very good. Uh, Jokic was another triple-double. Um, and that's where we are on the NBA. For night number one. Well, number one. Yeah, night, we'll get yeah. back to it December 25th. Yes, I just want to give you your, yeah, <laughs> your right. NBA exactly. update. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, the Lakers, I, I don't know whether people are on their bandwagon yet, but I do know this. They're not going to win that many games if Anthony Davis is only hitting six out of 17 shots, but it's only the first game, so we'll see what happens. you got 81 more to go. It is indeed a long season, for sure. Uh, we're going to talk some Alabama football with uh, Chris Stewart, uh, the voice of the Crimson Tide. That's coming up. And uh, really looking forward to going up to Michigan at 8.30 to talk to a beat reporter from the Detroit paper on this whole Michigan thing. Because here's my other thing, and you, and this is a point. It's a great point you made, which is the Big Ten could reprimand Michigan even before the NCAA investigation is over. My, What I'm most interested in is do they want to? Because I don't think they do, right? This is a team vying for a spot in the college football playoff. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to miss out on that payday if you're the conference, right? And also, if if they think they're going to get two teams in, but do they want to make a statement prior to the Michigan Ohio State game? What if Michigan beats Ohio State and knocks, in a sense, the Buckeyes out? What are you then going to come and penalize Michigan? And I don't know if they would keep them out. I mean, there may be some other things they could do. I just don't know enough about a conference. You know, we see the SEC, they'll find fans for our school for fans coming on the field. I don't know what the Big Ten would do as a conference to penalize a school. I don't think they would take away games. Nothing during the season, at least. It's kind of like, because I could see it, like, I could, like, the Big Ten kind of being like the parent, and you got two kids, like, fighting Ohio State and Michigan, but, but, Dad, he cheated! Like, you don't want to go after both, like, you don't want to go after one, but the other one's making a pretty good, uh, pretty good argument about it, and so, you want to be fair, you, you love them both, you don't want to reprimand and ultimately hurt the family, but at some point... Here's Maybe another you do. thing too. Here's another thing too. Next week, the college football playoff poll, the first one. I wonder if any of the 13 members in that poll uh, will be kind of influenced by what's going on and maybe knock Michigan down a peg or two. Someone said if Ohio State beats Michigan, then yes, Big Ten might penalize them. That's right. But they can now still you're get the in. competitive. If Ohio parent. State beats Michigan, Michigan's not making the playoff. Now so. you now you get the uh, now you get the competitive parent. If you win, you'll get rewarded. You lose. No ice cream for you after the uh, the game. All right, Chris Stewart, the voice of Crimson Tide, coming up next. Stay with us. The opening kickoff, hour number three, right around the corner. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. 
All right, here we are, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us on a, what has been a very busy Wednesday edition. We appreciate it as always. It's the opening kickoff. Me, Lee, Bronner. Here we are in the studios of WNSP. Yeah, and I do want to remind everybody that uh, LSU Alabama November fourth is six forty-five games, and Mr. Bob Baumhauer is giving away two tickets to that game. So if you're interested in at least registering, they got a registration box at Wing Fingers at a Cottage Hill and Hillcrest. They'll pick a uh, winner next Wednesday, a week from today, and we'll announce it next Thursday. That's the next Alabama game. They're off this week. Chris Stewart joins us. Thanks to Dex Imaging. Chris, good morning. How are you? Guys, I'm great. How are y'all? Good. Take me through the TV show you do with Nick Saban after the game, like when he came out on the field after the win. Did you light up right in front of him? <laughs> I did not. I did not. You know, the the difference there, as bad as I wanted to, uh, on road games, if it's a Bama win, we will do the TV show out on the field after the, the game in the end zone. It's to give that as a backdrop, but um, on home games, we've got an actual studio where we always do the show, so uh, as much as I would have enjoyed lighting one up uh, in in smoking a cigar during the taping of the television show, I did not do such a thing. I knew better, but uh, yeah, we did enjoy doing the show in the studio, and it was uh, it was kind of cool because the uh, nobody was lighting up in the studio, but there are Y'all know how this stuff works. The the cables that do run into the stadium, there's there's pipes basically that those cables do run through into the the master control of the the studio, which is or of the uh, production suite, which is next to the studio. And th- there was so much smoke in the stadium, you could actually smell it inside the building, and that that smells a whole lot different and a whole lot better when it's your team that wins. It's a stench if you lose, but it's a glorious smell if you've won. So was Nick as giddy in your conversation as he seemed to be in the post game? Well, again, it's it, it, it's relative. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he was in a good mood. He, he was definitely in a good mood. And, you know, there's the immediate euphoria, I guess, after the win and down on the field and all the players and the band playing and, and all that – is involved with that it's uh it's more calm when we do the show but he was still very happy and he was in a good mood and it was it was fun to do it i mean we're regardless it's still uh you got to remember probably an hour after the game ends 45 minutes to an hour after the game ends before we are actually beginning production on the television show so it's been a long day. Uh, he's he's spoken to the team. He's spoken to the media. He's spoken to recruits, and obviously there were a lot of them there on a, on a day like that. So it was a it's a full day, full night. He's tired. We're all tired by the time we get there, even though you've enjoyed it. So it's it's not the same level of enthusiasm and excitement, but he was definitely in a good mood, and and it made for a fun television show to do. There's no doubt. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide, our guest here on WNSP. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but there was somebody that tweeted out a video of the guys coming out of. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Do you, okay, coming out of the locker room, 
uh, prior to the game, right? The captains go by, and Saban comes to the front. And as you know, as you guys out there know, every school has a sign or something that they hit or pound or whatever as they walk out. And above yeah. the door is one that says "Win," although you couldn't see it in the yeah. video. And there, Saban, it's a week a week from turning seventy-two, standing five yeah. foot six, jumping up and hitting that sign. I'm like, wow, yeah. that's that's kind of cool. Well. Let me let me back up and first say I guessed wrong because the video I thought you were going to reference was the guy getting absolutely plastered. Oh, I'm saving that for the end. Security yeah. guy on the field yeah. after the game. So my apologies All for good. jumping the gun on that. Oh, good. Uh, didn't I did not see that video of Coach tapping the the wind sign, but I have seen him do it many a time. And uh, look, the guy's in great shape. Uh, He's, he still has great enthusiasm. It's why, you know, the the conversation about him being near the end, I mean, you say something enough times, eventually it's going to be right. You know, when it talks about, it, it, as it relates to somebody retiring or, or calling it quits on the career as uh, as people do with, with him. And, and we know it's going to happen at some point. I'm those images you just talked about, though, are an example of why I'm not convinced that it's now. There's still the energy. There's still the enthusiasm. It's still fun for him. It's still a passion for him. And that is one of the cool things to see. You know, running, not just leading the team out on the field, but running yeah. to bring the team out on the field uh, to start a ball game. I've never asked him about it, but I can tell he he wouldn't do it if he didn't enjoy it. That's sure. something that still means a lot to him, that's still fun for him. And it's not just symbolic. It's a literal thing of him leading the team out. And uh, I think it's great, and I'm with you. He is uh, he's far better, you know, in far better shape than most. He still runs around the practice field. Um, he's he's still there. There's still a lot left in the tank, and that is that is great to see. Chris Stewart uh, on the Alabama Radio Network, uh, the Crimson Tide Network, uh, does a whole bunch of things. Sometimes the obviously on the road games, the Rewind, uh, Nick Saban's TV show, and of course he'll be getting ready for basketball in just a couple of weeks. But Chris, I wanted to ask you this Jekyll and Hyde performance. Can you recall the last time you? You saw an Alabama team down so much and then come back for a second half like that? Probably not off the top of my head, Lee. But, you know, that was a great win given who it was against, the atmosphere, the environment, um, knowing that, hey, you know, if you lose that ball game from a playoff standpoint, you're done from a SEC championship game scenario. You've put yourself in a tough spot, even though, you know, it'd been an Eastern division loss as opposed to a West, but it, it would have brought a lot of teams back into play as far as the, the Western division titles concerned. But that was a big step towards being where you want to be. And that's in Atlanta, which gives you a chance to be in all likelihood, a, uh, a playoff college football playoff team. There's no guarantee that if they went out, they're going to get in. But 
I have a hard time thinking that a one-loss SEC champion won't be right there in the conversation with a great chance of getting in it, um, especially with where this team would have grown from should they find a way to get there. And, again, there's a lot to take place before we get there. But uh, they're, they're definitely a major step closer than they were prior to that Tennessee game. Uh, what's, uh, what's really funny about this, uh, I'm sure you saw it, speaking of videos on the Internet, uh, SEC Shorts, which always does a really great job. Oh, my gosh, they are great. They're portrayed terrific. Alabama two different ways, right? It said Alabama in the first half, yeah. Alabama in the second half, which I thought was really, really well done. Oh, man, let me tell you, I when I saw the shirt, yeah. and I didn't really know what it meant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at first, the, you know, when the guy's in the chair and kind of held captive, and and then the second half, it made complete sense, and it was really, uh, it was really entertaining. And you're right; those guys are awfully talented and fun to watch, and they do it in a great way. It's uh, it's really cool. All right. Speaking of internet and videos, let's get back to uh, where you beat me to the punch. Was there a better yeah, tackle bad. on the field at Bryant Denny than there was that security guard just rocking that fan and? Is that phone ever going to be seen from again or heard from again? I think – I'm not sure that that was his phone. I think that was his soul leaving his body. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it was quite it. Now, I'll be honest. I'd like to know more context. I don't know if that was necessary, if it was excessive. Uh, I've replayed it. It was not targeting although it could have been clearly unnecessary roughness. But uh, I would like to know more of it. I do think it was taunting on the part of the dude. No doubt. (laughs) doubt. There's no doubt about that. And it was, it was like, uh, it was like a little buddy going, don't make us tell you again. Yeah. Uh, So that was, uh, that was interesting to see. Yeah. And in the moment, you're like, oh, that's really cool. That was really fun to watch until you're the one thinking about the dude that got leveled. And I just wonder if he felt it or not. I don't know what his condition was yeah. prior to. I'm, I got, uh, a, feeling, I I got need... a feeling he's going to wake up sore and panicked. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be seeing that one in his sleep for a while. I'm telling you, you, you can, if you would call that game for us, Call that play. I think if you just kind of lay some audio over that and call it like play by play, it would be internet goal. I'm just saying, I would repost that. It, yeah, yeah, that would be uh, fun. But I got a feeling there'd be an old mercy at the end of that somewhere. Yeah, there's no doubt. And have him on the ground saying, "Let's get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> he would if he could at all. Uh, if he could say anything, that might be it. All right, well, let me know when you post that. I'll ju- I'll throw that up on AL.com ASAP so people yeah. would want to see that. Uh, Chris, yeah. great stuff, man. We always appreciate you coming aboard. Enjoy the bye week, sir, and uh, we'll get at you next week. Look forward to it, guys. Always appreciate you. Yep. Thanks so much. That's Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Uh, scoreboard traffic and weather are next and the Greater Gulf State Fair. Because, uh, you know, it's it's been a minute since I had that fried Oreo. Stay with us. 
Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Two games and win this series in seven games. If they win, I will I will retire on the spot. Think about ultimatums is if you make one and don't follow through, what's it say about you? Yeah, that was uh, we talked about that earlier in the hour, and it's made the internet now uh, with uh, Mad Dog Russo. He's on Sirius Radio, longtime veteran broadcaster. Said that if uh, Arizona beat Philadelphia, he's just heard game six and seven, he would retire on the spot. Kind of don't think he's gonna do it though. I know one guy I'm glad that's not retired. My good friend Josh Woods out at the Greater Gulf State Fair because he gets underway. Uh, this coming weekend. Josh, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you all for having me on. Uh, we'll be uh, having you on also next week as this fair gets going uh, this Friday, correct? Goes through November yes, 5th. Sir. The fair every year has got something new for everybody. What might that be this year? <laughs> well, uh, obviously, we are the largest Midway on the Gulf Coast. Uh, we've always been traditionally the largest Midway on the Gulf Coast. Um, this this year we're even larger, so we have six new rides coming in, so to to, to make about a total of 58 rides on our midway. I, I'm telling you, this product that we have, uh, we have new rides, the X Drive, we have the Euro Slide Back, we have the El- Flying Elephant. Um, this year, I, I'm very I'm very excited about what our midway looks like and how it's shaping up. Uh, it, it's it's just going to be a massive midway this year. Tell me about the musical lineup you've got planned. Yeah, so this year we're focusing on uh, local and regional acts. So every night on the iHeart stage, we'll have we'll have um, uh, folks playing. Uh, definitely uh, make sure you check the website and our Facebook page and our social media because um, we'll be uh, we'll be rolling that whole list out here um, between now and and Friday at four o'clock. So if you get tickets now, can you save a few dollars rather than wait till Friday or the when the fair is going on? Yeah, you can. So we always say it like this: uh, you save time and money. Um, right now, you know, between uh, between, I, I know I don't have a whole lot of time, and also I'm always looking to save money. So you can go to greatergulfstatefair.com. Um, right now, buy your advanced tickets. So uh, you know, child tickets are, are four dollars. Um, adult tickets are eight, and uh, you can also uh, find savings on those unlimited ride wristbands. So uh, definitely make sure that you, you you buy your tickets before four o'clock on Friday, because uh, you can you can save a dime or two there. Josh Woods with the uh, Greater Gulf State Fair. So, as again, as we look to the fair to begin on October 27th, this Friday, it extends through November 5. Uh, I asked you about you know, new things. You mentioned about some of the rides, the entertainment. It sounds like it's going to be uh, uh, some entertainment every night. But I want to ask you, anything sports-related? Um, obviously, we have the rodeo. Um, so uh, that's going to be the second weekend of the fair. Um, so Saturday and then also Sunday afternoon. Um, that's you know that's that's our main uh, our main sports affiliation there uh, when it comes to the fair. Uh, um, also too, we do have a corn dog eating contest. So, I mean that that's kind of a sport. <laughs> I'm actually you know, I'm looking at the funnel cake fun run from my buddy here because <laughs> what do I need to do to get Mark into that? Oh <laughs> uh, no, uh, not not nothing really. Just uh, go to greatergulfstatefair.com and sign up. Uh, we'd love to love to get you in. We we have a lot of stuff going on. So, um, from competitive eating to to uh, to um, uh, different contests, a uh, cornhole tournament. I mean, we we've got it all this year. You know, Josh, uh, 
As my co-host here likes to, to tell you, I, I think with my stomach more times than not, especially when it comes to the Greater Gulf State Fair. Uh, how many, would you say, how many Oreos get fried over the span of the Greater Gulf State Fair? That is a good question, and I can find out for you. Uh, I would probably say, uh, I would probably say hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't believe our friend Lee here has ever partaken in such a uh, fried deliciousness, as he likes me to call him. <laughs> How does one go about getting a fried Oreo to Mr. Shervanian? Um, so actually, uh, we'll be drop. I'll, I'm going to be dropping some off you guys uh, next week. So I'll, uh, once we get it fired up and going, I'll, I'll definitely uh, drop some goodies off to you. Josh, Maybe we can even get a picture of Lee eating it. Josh, I just fell in love with you right here on the air. It's a bromance <laughs> that will last for all of time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't know how to respond to that either. Hey, man, thank you so much. The greatergolfstatefair.com. Fair schedule, ticket prices, events, everything right there for everybody. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, we come back. We go up to Michigan. We're going to talk about some sign stealing. What's the Big Ten going to do? Nothing. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Continues, Mark Lee and Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. Just wondering if there's a bad moon rising over Michigan these days. And to get more of a, let's say, intake as to what's going on up there, we call on one of our favorite reporters, Angelique Shingala. She is with the Detroit Free Press. Angelique, good morning. How are you today? Well, I'm good. Detroit News, but I was going to ask you if that music intro was intentional because it, it did make me laugh. Um, it's yes, calculated, I yeah, think, Angelique. Yes and no. I, I, I love the song so much, and I don't know if it was specifically, but there was some intent. Yes, you are yes, so correct yes. about that. I'm going to put the, court, uh, the, the card before the horse to start out. Mm -hmm. Do you really think the Big Ten or the NCAA can do anything to Michigan on this story? Well, I don't think immediately, and I was just looking over the, the Big Ten, um, all of their rule books and sportsmanship policy, and it sounds like the hang-up there would be, um, I don't have the code right in front of me, it's in my phone, but, you know, they'd have to get a committee to vote, and it seems unlikely that that would, that would affect Michigan. But talking to some lawyers who represent teams in NTA matters yesterday, the general feeling is that, you know, the NCAA is not dragging their feet. It's just that these investigations take a long time. And um, while I think that they're moving quickly, my understanding is that there will be investigators in Ann Arbor later this week. My assumption is starting with Connor Stallions with an interview with him and, and then probably regrouping and figuring out, well, what's next? Who do they talk to next? So there, the wheels are in motion, but, you know, how, how fast do these wheels move? I don't think fast enough that it's going to affect Michigan this season. Um, but, you know, there's so many things to take into consideration, like the the unresolved initial NCAA investigation involving Jim Harbaugh and, and now the level one allegation he faces. You know, will they wait 
for this one to conclude, to kind of pile that into that one that's unresolved, or, you know, that's, that's what all the lawyers are saying. They're not sure how the NCAA is going to play that. But even so, I, I think this is going to be really a, really tough for, for Jim Harbaugh to navigate. Angelique uh, Shingalis with the Detroit News. Never a dull moment with Michigan. Was Connor Stallions even known until last week? Well, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about him. I'd say six, seven years ago when he was at the Naval Academy, I think I had tweeted once, like, oh, I wish I could go to the Michigan, I mean, pardon me, the Army-Navy game. And he messages me and says, yeah, I could get you tickets. You know, I'm at the Naval Academy. I'm a big Michigan fan. And then I remember he sent me other text messages or, I'm sorry, DMs saying, you know, he knows all the players. And, and, you know, it felt like a kid bragging to me. And, and I just, you know, I don't know when he wormed his way into the building. Um, I had not seen him since those, those contacts he made probably seven years ago at this stage. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who talks a lot. I think he talks a lot from when I'm talking to players about him in the last week or so. He's a guy who talked about himself a lot in the sense that he, he thought he was a really, you know, a great sign stealer. And then I think now we're getting more evidence why he was so good at it. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh comes out at the beginning of all this and clearly just distances himself from the whole thing, right? So mm-hmm. can something of this magnitude, as more and more information has come out, can this, I guess hypothetically, rhetorically asking for a friend, could this could this go on under the nose of a head coach of a Power 5 school without that coach knowing? I think it would be very difficult to not know something. Yeah. Now, would Jim Harbaugh know the extent? I, I don't know. I mean – you know, I think that there's a possibility that at least initially, and I'm going back to how I felt about those initial interactions I had about a guy who was bragging about all the players he knew. I'm like, why is he telling me? Right. But, you know, he could have been lone wolf. He could have been initially, you know, I need to build up my, I, I want to be indispensable to this staff. And I'm going to do this. I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, in the end, from more people I talked to, I think he talked a lot about to, to players, you know, like people below him maybe, you know, guys third, fourth, you know, those kind of guys who, you know, probably aren't going to go running to the coach and say, hey, he's saying this. But I don't know. But I don't think it even matters when you look at the NCAA rules and they, they adjusted their head coach responsibility rule, the NCAA did, heading into this, this year. And it, it went from – it went from a chance for a, a head coach to have a rebuttal if there's a, a case involving one of his assistant coaches and they're trying to pull the head coach in, and the head coach could beg off and say, I didn't know about this. Now the rule says the head coach is responsible for everyone below him. I mean, everyone on his staff. Yeah. And from my conversation yesterday, if Connor – you know, the other thing is in the rule book, it doesn't say if you violate this, this is a level two, a level three, a level one. It doesn't say that, but whatever they find, a level one, level two, it will apply to Jim Harbaugh regardless. And so that's what I think really worth watching. I mean, at this point, it really doesn't matter if he knew. But to your point, I, I, I don't know how you not know something. And, you know, it, it, those buildings, it, it's not like the staffs are, are enormous. There's probably like 60 people and, and probably a lot of, of, of volunteers running around that maybe he doesn't know, but... I mean, I, I would just find it hard that somebody didn't know something. All right, let me ask you this. If this was Toledo or 
Boise State or Miami of Ohio. Do you think the NCAA would be going after this as they are? I we've we've brought up the fact. Do they just have a a thing about going after Jim Harbaugh now based on that other investigation? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I know that a lot of Michigan fans uh, believe this is personal. That that they just want to take him down. And, and you know, you could argue that I guess if you if you if you really want to go that that approach because he tweaked the NCA so much early on when he got to Michigan, the satellite camps and and just you know poking at their rule books and stuff. But you know, I I don't know if they would go after these other schools, but I don't think they'd be armed with this much information because I think a lot of it is coming from rivals in the Big Ten. Uh, I think that, you know, you got a sense that they knew about it and they were sick of it. And I, I, I can't imagine that the information that's being leaked to ESPN is just generated from the NCAA. I mean, I, I feel like other people have had evidence. They've collected it off of their film. They spotted this guy. Um, I, I don't know who's done who's gone searching through Seat Geek and, and all those records, but that's a lot of information. <laughs> and if it's the NCA, it suggests they've been working on it a lot longer than just last week. You know, Angelique, on behalf of everybody down here in SEC country, we'd like to personally thank the state of Michigan because as crazy and as wild as this story is, the fact that it's now come out that, that SEC championship game tickets were, were purchased. And you mentioned the satellite camps. That was right down here in Alabama with without right. the shirt and the khakis and the whole deal. Like, as a content provider for the state of Alabama, I'd like to th say thank you. And, and we, we appreciate the continued support up there in Michigan. I mean, if you want to if you want to build the narrative that the that the NCAA is anti Jim Harbaugh, like you could build a narrative that a lot of coaches are are the same. You know, he just he has not made a lot of friends. Um, he's poked the bear a lot with SEC coaches, with Big Ten coaches. I yeah. mean, you know, saying Ryan Day, you know, referring to the coach born on third base after the 2021 <laughs> Michigan Ohio State game. You know, that probably wasn't a great move. Um, I think people got some some giggles about it, but um, he, I don't think he's built a a strong group of, of friends in college football. I think it goes um, across the you know across the country, the SEC, and um, yeah, I'm I'm sure that that all of you are very happy with the content you're getting now. <laughs> do, you, do you know Do you know what coach or coaches turned in Michigan? Do you, Do you have any idea? I don't. All right. I don't. I mean, I have my suspicions, but um, but I think it'd probably be careless to, to say that. But um, I, I mean, I think there's some obvious, you know. And I think you look at the Big Ten East division and, and you narrow it down from there. And um, you know, I, I think that there, there's so much evidence now that people are producing that they felt very confident. And, and I'm I'm telling you, I I I don't know that. Um, I I don't think I think there's some levels uh, of Michigan fans are trying to say it's coming from the inside. Someone at Michigan turned them in. I, I don't, I don't see that. I think this is definitely coming from a rival and, and the NCAA is, you know, <laughs> they do have that open investigation and <laughs> I, if they can pile on here, they're going to, and, and I'm just, I'm really, I'm curious if they're going to resolve that first one or wait for this, because then I think you're, it's really going to be trouble for Jim Harbaugh, because I, I just don't know with that head coach responsibility rule how he gets out of this. So it, is Michigan State just jealous of, of Michigan or the other way around? Because you had the whole Mel Tucker thing. Now you got the Harbaugh investigations, and, and Michigan State's like, well, we see you, Harbaugh, and we'll, we'll, 
We'll raise you an Adolf Hitler uh, photo on our screen prior to the game. Like, it's it's got to be a blast up there covering these two teams right now. Wow. It's, that was so unfortunate. Wasn't it? And, and look, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's you know, if Michigan fans are delighting in the, the problems that Michigan State's having, well, you know, you've you got to be careful. You can't throw stones. And, um, you know, it's just that that was crazy. And you're right. It just feels like it, it feels like a and I don't watch it, but I'm suspecting it's like a real housewives of, of uh, <laughs> you know, Michigan kind of. <laughs> reality show and it's just drama all the time and um gosh i mean that was crazy seeing that that on the, the uh yeah. the scoreboard i didn't see it but um but i contacted the person who posted it and you know he verified that he took it and he took that photo and obviously since then it's been confirmed but it, it's just one thing after another and it gets crazier so i with that in mind now you've just made me realize this is going to get crazier so I guess I'll never sleep. Angela, like uh, kind of an off-the-wall question about Connor Stallions. Does he get reimbursed for the tickets he bought? I don't know. I mean, that is – that's the question. And that's why, like, last Friday when he was named, um, I went into the, the database at Michigan and, and saw that he made 55000 last year. And, and to me, that doesn't seem like a lot of money for someone who is paying for tickets, which – on the secondary market, I'm sure for some of these games, like the SEC championship games, I can't imagine that they're cheap. Um, and, and paying maybe for travel for people to go do these things, to go videotape these games. I, I mean, I think that that's the next step is where, how was he funded? Did someone else fund him? Is there a booster involved? I, I mean, these are questions that I think are going to get resolved and, and probably quickly because, uh, you know, if someone else is, is funding this, that's, that's enormous, you know, and, and I think that, that's, that these are all things that the NCAA will be looking at. I think that, that Connor, based on what people have been saying around here, he's going to say he acted alone and he's going to take the fall. But, um, you know, you never know. When, once you're being questioned and, and you, you realize how serious this is, do you, do you actually name other people? So there's going to be a lot to unfold here, but the money is uh, that really piques my interest because I, I can't imagine that he had the money to do this on his own. One other question, and I've asked you this before. It's totally hypothetical. Do you think Jim Harbaugh will be coaching Michigan next year? Well, I'm standing by what I said before the season. I, I, I think he will be in the NFL, and and that's assuming someone in the NFL wants him. And I, I do think he's, you know. It, with or without calls and without a, someone who's, who, can, who can steal calls, um, signals, pardon me, you know, I think he's a very good coach. And I think he's showing that he's got an excellent team this year. And, and I certainly find it hard to believe that anybody would need to steal the play calls and the signals from the first eight opponents Michigan's faced this year. So um, I think he's still a commodity. I think he, you know, he's somebody that, that some NFL teams, you know, the Chargers, the Bears, somebody will look at him. And um, but I've been consistent saying I thought he'd be um, he'd be somewhere else. Angelique, never a dull moment when we have you on. We need we probably need to make you a weekly guest at this point. But <laughs> until that point, how can uh, how can people continue to follow your coverage of uh, the craziness that is college football up there in that fine state of yours? Well, it's just DetroitNews.com, and um, and look, you know, it's obviously the ESPNs of the world and. And Yahoo's, they have a lot more uh, connections in the NCAA, so they're they're breaking a lot of this news. But uh, but yeah, we, we've got we've got our coverage too, and 
And, you know, I will say this. Remarkably, the Michigan players are, um, they just seem extremely insulated. They don't seem like this is bothering them one bit. And talked to a bunch of them Tuesday night after practice. And, uh, and you know, it's just, it's amazing. Because, you know, people say young people are resilient. Well, they, they certainly seem to be in, in light of all of this distraction around them. Well, you guys up there at Michigan have motivated the state of Alabama to get our butts in gear for this college football season. We are lagging, surely, so we'll get on it. <laughs> well, don't catch up in this way. You don't want drama. Just uh, catch up, you know, get, get better on the field. That's all. <laughs> yes, ma'am, we are on it. Hey, thank you so much for the time. Uh, have a great week. We'll be in touch. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. All right, one final segment of uh, the day, closing up shop. We'll set the table for the rest of the day, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show. It is the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner from the studios of WNSP right there on Dolphin and Don't Go Out There Street. Stay with us. One final segment. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. One final segment of the day. Uh, Lee was so excited. You know what? We said, Lee, go ahead and take the rest of the day off. You've earned it, my man. So, uh, Mark, I'm Michael Bronner taking you home for the uh, the duration of our show here. A quick reminder, though, our uh, travels tomorrow take us to Alma Bryant for the Dr. Chris Monix High School game day. We'll do a Thursday edition and then turn around on Friday and go to Mobile Christian. So, What time uh, do you wake up to make it to Alma Bryant on time? For a uh, game day, about quarter to five, I guess. Mm. Uh, I don't get up much earlier than that. I, if if I can't get there by then, then then I'm just gonna be late. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, I, I I find it interesting that you and Lee both always drive to the high school game days. Rather, like, see if it were me, I'd I'd be hitching a ride on the bus. You know, uh, it takes, to maximize but that then gas. I have to get up earlier and get there. And yeah. the bus, I've I've passed the bus numerous times on my way to game day at a pretty efficient <laughs> clip. Nick, Nick and Matt don't offer and like then, a chauffeur service type of situation. And then after the show, then you got to wait for that to all break down, and then sure. you got to take it all the way back. And you got somewhere to be after the show. Yeah, I got to work. P- I'm always working. I'm I'm moving. I'm I'm going. All right. So would you get uh, would you take from Angelique's comments. Anything or from that whole story? I thought it was interesting she's sticking to her guns on Harbaugh going to the NFL. I mean, I, I, I've been on that. What Again, what what reason does he have to stay? Also, the uh, the DMs <laughs> between uh, between Connor Stallions and her was, was, was something. I didn't really expect the conversation to to head in that direction. But, I but gotta believe we every program has a version of Connor Stallions, like that guy that just bleeds whatever color your team is, right? It's it it's his life, it's everything, but not no like that's you to some degree, but not to the point that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get into that program. Like you're not you're not here actively trying to be a part of that program, are you? Well, I mean, you know, what, if, what I if think coach, he is. What if coach called me up and said like, hey, like we need a guy to do this, this, and this. But you, would you be the guy that goes to do those things on the off chance that you get noticed and then be, therefore become like 
the inside guy. Well, let's think about it. Is Connor Stallion's life like really like ruined now? I think he's devastated. I think he's he's devastated that he could be on the outside looking into the Michigan program. <laughs> I think it's a he's back to being a fan now. It's kind of and this is very it's like what he was before. Orange. This is kind of apples to oranges, but this is kind of like Nick Saban uh, condemning the things that Harvey Updike did. Mm. Those words coming from Saban, I have no doubt crushed <laughs> the heart of Harvey Updike. Crushed Updike. <laughs> So if it were to come out that too much Babin. that that Jim Harbaugh comes out and says anything negative about Connor Stallions, I think that would just absolutely I mean, devastate him. So I don't understand. It's like was he was he or was he not on the staff? He was an analyst. So, so like what what is Jim Harbaugh like? Is the claim really going to be from Michigan that like he just went rogue and went to all these like I mean. I, and again, I, I from the beginning said I think this whole thing is overblown. But like, if that's really going to be their stance, like, oh, Connor Stallions feels so bad because he went ro- like, come on, like, yeah. that's that's not what happened. Obviously, I could just see Mich- him getting up there at a press conference. My like, bad, y'all. I just re- I really love Michigan. I, I was just I doing love a Michigan so much. I I got overzealous with my job and I went to all these yeah. games and like, of course, like. Whether I think it's a big deal or not, I really don't think it's a big deal. But of course, Harbaugh knew about it. Yeah, a- I'm Angelique, the same way. Angelique kind of minimized it a little bit. I mean, Harbaugh knows, uh, and every major college football coach right. knows everything that goes on in that building. So if he didn't, let's let's say he didn't know, but then his DC comes in during the staff meeting. He's like, "All right, when Ohio State calls this, it means this." <laughs> At some point, the that logical question is exactly, "How do we know that? Where do we get that?" And what, DC's not going to tell Jim Harbaugh? Of course he is. Of course he is. So, yes, everybody up there knows. And and I guarantee you the dude was – if he wasn't getting reimbursed for the tickets, he was certainly getting a supplemental pay to cover those expenses. Like just cash under the table. Like there is absolutely no way. I, I can't believe it's taken that kind of turn that people are even considering that as uh, – uh, other world any kind of possibility that Connor Stallions on his own volition started going to these games and trying to capture the signal with no direction from anyone there's absolutely no way possible that that's what happened all right there is a Patriots uh yeah I mean Patriots fan among us uh, yeah well um how how do you so I wasn't around you around deflate gate what was your defense or what I shouldn't say defense what was your take on on deflate gate and is it different than what your take is here on this whole Michigan thing? I had to, like, print out she- – like, because, uh, you know, I was still in, in school at the time, so like, I, I had to, like, print out sheets of paper about the ideal gas law. Again, I'm, you know, being in New Jersey, we're talking Giants and Jets fans. Like, I was citing the ideal gas law to go to bat for Brady. It was a, it was a weird time in, uh, in my life to play <laughs> games. <And that's, laughs> that, is, that is saying something, ladies and gentlemen, that Bronner is pointing like, out I would that show that's up to, I would show, I would show up to school with, like, you know, scientific formulas of the ideal gas law. and it just, just Did you get beat up a lot in high school? No, I wouldn't say I got beat up, but, you know. Verbally? Verbally. <laughs> The uh, yeah, Deflategate was more nonsense than this Michigan thing is, but <laughs> more nonsense. Yes, one hundred percent. How so? Oh my 
God, I like again. It's like we got thirty seconds left here, but if you really want to get okay, into okay, so, it, so let me ask you this though: Did everybody in the building know the the the, the balls were being deflated? Three of the four Colts balls tested were under twelve and a half pounds that, that's per not, square inch. That's not what I asked you. That's not what I. I asked don't think you. the balls were being deflated. So they were not. They were not under. They were not altered. They were not altered. They were not altered like to, in an attempt to gain a competitive advantage. Didn't happen. Just didn't happen. It didn't happen. Did not happen. So deflate gate didn't happen. Didn't happen. But but point but but sign stealing is happening at Michigan. <laughs> I sign. We've been saying sign stealing all week as if that doesn't happen. Okay, recording and that's that's the problem here. Yeah. We've been talking about sign stealing. Sign stealing <laughs> we is need not to clarify the issue. That. Recording recording and going to these these places. All right. We ran out of time. It was a good segment, though. Mostly because we both got to talk. Nice. (laughs) All right, that does it for another opening kickoff. We are on the road tomorrow. Air Sports 1, we're headed to Alma Bryant. Uh, Mobile Christian on Friday. And Baumhauer's Wing Fingers and Westmobile on Monday. So, Mr. Bronner, I will see you on Tuesday. If you're in any of those areas, come on by and say hi, man. It's always good to see you guys. Uh, We appreciate you guys being a part of our show. All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!